My name is Teresa and this is my story from the inside. I could write a book about my family in prison, literally. Like, it starts back in Fremantle Prison, that's how long ago. There wasn't really any good influence to do something good, or you can become something, or you can do something. It's just the same circle within your family. Fifty-seven percent of young people released from detention return to the justice system within just two years. Forty-five percent of all people in WA's prisons return to jail in less than two years after their release. People returning to the community after prison need rehabilitation and reintegration programs if we want to break the cycle of offending. I guess it was okay growing up. Hold on, can we cut a bit? I started taking drugs when my mum went to prison and I guess growing up as a teenager, having somebody to look up to as your role model, being away is kind of hard. I would have been turning 14, I mean 13, just turned 14 when my mum went back to prison and I had my older sister there as well. so. She was the big part of not giving up everything because I had to help her and we helped each other. She would have been 24. Raising 12 siblings or kids or looking after them, it is hard, yeah, and it's crazy most of the time. But I guess we only have each other at the end of the day and with our parents being in prison and our fathers in prison as well in and out of the justice system. So at the end of the day we only have each other. Boo was just on Centrelink at that time. My sister couldn't get a job because the youngest of the kid would have been Probably two, it's the youngest, up to 19. So getting a job for her would have been hard because she can't um, juggle all them things at once. And yeah, for me, I guess I was already messed up and taking drugs as well at that time, kind of, to feel numb, yeah. My family got involved with stealing mostly because of their, to support their habits. Also with just life itself, living and supporting, supporting the family. It's a survival thing when you don't have a job and you're getting paid from Centrelink. So it's really hard. There wasn't really any good influence on to do something good or you can become something or you can do something. It's just the same circle within your family. Everybody from growing up as a little child seeing 
seeing them going to prison or that. It's the same circle. So as you get older, you keep seeing it, the same cycle. You can't really look up to them and think that you can do something because they're just doing the same thing that they were doing years and years ago. I'd say some of my family members that have been to prison were my mother. She, she goes in and out of prison. Also my oldest brother, even my second oldest brother, my sister, and my twin brother as well has been to prison. And there's also extended family members, like uncles and aunties, hops, nens, my cousins, even my niece and nephews. Kind of goes on around the family, yeah. Yeah, prison is normal to me, even though I haven't been in myself. But going in to visit my family or my mother and that, yeah, it's pretty normal. Like, I can remember everything, the look of the prisons. <laughs> That's how much times I've been to a prison to see a family member. Especially my mother, I guess that was, that would be the hardest part, going to see your mum. Especially at a young age. And then also going back as a woman, seeing her, that's kind of hard. Some get out. My brother, he got out last year and he only stayed out for a month and then went back in. You can't really look up to them sometimes because they just keep going into prison and it's, it's kind of hard because you want to try and help them but as much as you talk to them and tell them that it's okay that you can do something but quite sure what goes through their head. It's, it's not easy because the reason why they've probably ended up in prison, you know, they have reasons why. So Most of them is their, the way they grew up, um, the families that they come from, the support that they would have had growing up and things like that. Also educational wise as well. They don't have a good education or haven't been to school. So they'll probably feel like dropouts and you can't do anything with your life. My mum, she's been into prison for burglaries, like it was a burg. Also stealing, stolen motor vehicle and um, aggravated arm robbery. She has, she has a huge problem with methamphetamines, which I think this is, but when she was out, destroyed her life of living out here. And also, alcohol plays a big part of it as well. Was she? kind of grew up without a mother. My, my great-great-great-grandmother was a mother figure for her. She, she had six siblings as well, so yeah. 
I guess she had it hard not knowing her mother much. He's passed away. He was never really in my life. He has other kids and a partner, so he got on with them more than us, but before he passed on, he'd came back to us and stayed a couple of weeks, and then a week later, he ended up dying. But yeah, him and my mum didn't really have a good relationship. He was a very violent man and abusive to her, so that's why things never worked out and he wasn't really in our lives. In, in prison for my mother, it's easier to live there, I'd say. Out here in the real world, which I like to call it, it's hard for her because there's no help or support. So I mean, she can do sometimes prison easy, but deep down she can't because of the emotional things that she left behind, like her kids and everything, and the things that she now reflects on because she's not on drugs and realises the damages that she's left behind. All right, so for me, the biggest challenges that I faced to get my life back on track was to give up drugs or um, marijuana, which I smoked at a young age, I started at a very young age. I would have been 12. And I've quit when I was 15 because um, it was just too, too much. Um, problems, they come with problems, even though it mellowed you out, come with a lot of problems, after effects and things like that. So one of them challenges would have been to give up that and to go into a detox as a young child and experience everything that I did in there of what this drug does to you and the effects that it leaves on your life. A youth, yeah, it was a youth one. So there was other kids in there as well with me. And I think the longest you could stay there was four months, depending on your habit and how much you abused the drug. I started taking drugs when my mum went to prison. And I guess growing up as a teenager, having somebody to look up to as your role model, being away is kind of hard because you don't know who to look up to when you just have your siblings. And yeah, without a mother, it is quite hard to understand life and go through life as a teenager and struggles. I feel much stronger, a stronger woman and more mature and I know more about life now, like hurdles that's coming. And yeah, it made me a better mother today that from that experience. So yeah, I wouldn't change it even if I had the chance to. So while my mother was in prison, the support that I've seen was, I've seen a few certificates. I think that's about it. 
When she left prison, I've she's never got help in the outside. So yeah, when you go to prison, you might be able to do get some qualifications and help. But when you get when you leave prison, how are you supposed to get help when they're just leaving you out in the real world? And you're not used to that world. You know, you've been in prison for so many years that when you get out to see the real world and think it is hard, what do I do now? Do I go back to my old self? Do I reuse again? How am I supposed to, supposed to support my family? Or even look after them or get a home? They just let you walk out them doors and you're all alone, you're on your own now, trying to figure it out. Roll your own canoe. Same with my brothers. There's no support when they get out of prison. Now, my brothers, they have younger children. My oldest has two young girls who go to school. He has been part of their life in now and then, you know, every time he gets out of prison. But he can't really support them or help them or even interact with them properly because he has no support out here to do that. And that's just a bit messed up, I think, because you're supposed to go to prison to rehabilitation, you know, try and change your life as well. But what I see from my, from my family, some of them don't really get the help that they really need. That's a letdown. Needs to be more support for women and men. Maybe some programs that will help mothers re-engage with their kids when they get out of prison to make up the time that they've lost. Because we're talking about years that our parents do get sent away for. And when they come back and see us, they don't even, they don't even really know us. They know our names and they give birth to us, but they don't really know us deep down. Yeah, at that time we had White Line, but then it was called Balga Detach. I guess they came into our lives to help support myself and also my twin brother and a few, a few of my cousins who were committing crime and going in and out of the court system. They've been, yeah, they've been wonderful. Like, you can't ask for a better support team on network, especially with my family, being in, going through the justice system and things like that. They've been there to help them, especially the younger kids, understand what to do through the justice system. And yeah, just trying to help them kind of become something slowly. I mean, if I wouldn't have them in my life, then I'm not quite sure where I would kind of be right now in my, in life, you know, in my life now. If I would be stable, or if I could be still on drugs, on marijuana. Most kids run away from home to run away from their problems that is happening at home, such as domestic violence, family violence, alcohol, drugs, their parents. So I guess 
one big key factor would be a stable home for these young kids to go to. What, what did they want yeah, yeah. out of their life or what, what would they like to do? I see a lot of community police, they come over and ask me for advice about that. But sometimes it's like they don't really listen because still to this day they don't have a program and I've told them, how about you listen to the younger kids and ask what maybe what they want to do, you know, instead of thinking what might be right for them. At the moment, I'm looking after just my son, just two, and my little uncle, he's 17. She's still in prison. She just recently got sentenced three years. Like, she'll always be my mother no matter what. But yeah, I try and support her. I try and tell her what to do. Well, not really what to do, but to do the right thing when she gets out because there's time, time that has passed, years and years that has gone. She needs to make up for that. And now she has grandkids, not just kids, and grandkids that she used to look after. So now the effect that, that is left on them kids, it's kind of the effect that she left on me and my siblings because she's gone, she's gone now. It's like same thing repeated, but with a younger generation. I hope one day that, well, especially my mum, would get out and kind of get herself the help that she needs and maybe get somewhere in life instead of reoffending and going into prison. I hope all my family does, especially the ones that's been incarcerated for a very long time. I hope they get out and find the help that they need. What about you? Me. <laughs> I'm not sure yet. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not quite sure. I would like to get a job too, as myself, as aged care, look after old people. Nice. Yeah, because I looked after my grandmother before she passed a year on ago. But yeah, I'd like to be more stable than I am now. I have a brighter future for my son and someone to look up for, so he can look up to somebody at least me or his father, and know that everything's gonna be okay. You can do something with your life and you have love and support there. That's one thing that I wanna make sure that my son has, the life that I could've and should've had as well. We can reform our justice system to make it better for families, better for communities, and fairer for all Western Australians. I'm Sophie Stewart and I'm the coordinator of Social Reinvestment WA. One key way we could do that is for the state government to commit to investing $190 million of the next state budget, which sounds big, but is the same amount spent just this year on expanding Casuarina Prison. Committing that money to early intervention and prevention measures above and beyond what we're already doing. Committing to the things that will stop people from reoffending once they return from prison to the community. We can also do this by ensuring that any strategy to reduce Aboriginal incarceration, as announced by the Premier's priorities, is designed and run by and with the Aboriginal community through a true co-design process. This is self-determination and action. 
A strategy developed by Aboriginal people should lead bipartisan support. And from history, we know that the only strategy that will be successful at reducing Aboriginal incarceration must be owned and led by our Aboriginal leaders. We deserve smart justice strategies that respond to the underlying social issues that lead to crime and prevent it before it happens. We deserve to build healthy families and safe communities rather than be subject to reactionary policies which don't create sustainable change. You can join us in taking action to mend our broken system in WA. The first thing that you can do is subscribe to our podcast, Stories from the Inside, to help us share our message. Then you can head to our website, socialreinvestmentwa.org.au, sign our petition, join our movement, and share our videos and podcasts and storybook far and wide. Help us to build a new vision for WA, one focused on healthy families, safer communities, and smart justice. Stories from the Inside is brought to you by Social Reinvestment WA, a coalition of Western Australian organisations trying to build a better justice system. It was produced on the lands of the Wajak Noongar people. We pay respects to their people, past, present and future. The podcast is written by and produced by Anthony Stewart. With interviews and research by Donna Self, Sophie Stewart is the executive producer. Audio recordings and video production from director Shane Van Linsenberg. Sound by Joanne Marie Carradine. Video by Littlefoot Production. Music by Ned Bickley and Equate Studios. To help spread the message, prescribe to the podcast, share it with your friends and consider giving us a five-star review. For more information or to get involved in the campaign, head to www.socialreinvestmentwa.org.au.